Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus, and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts, souls, and minds. Hi, welcome back to the Soul Grit Podcast. This is Anne, and I'm here today with Whitney Owens, who is a therapist out of Savannah, Georgia. She also is a podcaster, and uh, she consults for people who want to build practices, especially people who are interested in building faith-based practices. So she's a wealth of knowledge about why it's important for us to incorporate faith into our practice which you all know this is my passion here on the Soul Grit Podcast. So I'm really excited and honored to have Whitney here because I think she's going to bring a lot of value. So hi, Whitney. Welcome. Hey, Anne. Thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time to have me on your show today. Yeah, I'm excited. So today we might talk about a range of topics because we're both passionate about really similar things. And so I think once we get going here, uh, we'll just see where the conversation goes. But one of the things that I know that Whitney helps people with is bridging this gap between the church and the therapy community. And so um, if you've listened to other episodes, you might have heard how passionate I am about this, that um, churches need to have a referral base when people are dealing with difficult issues that are not appropriate just for um, maybe a pastoral situation. They need to have people in the community that they can trust to refer parishioners or congregants to. So Whitney, how do you help churches and therapists to make that connection? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I do spend a good amount of time helping Christian therapists, but also therapists that wouldn't say they're necessarily Christian and how to connect with churches because a lot of people go to their pastor or like the member care coordinator about mental health concerns. So I spent some time empowering therapists on how do we talk about that and how do we make those connections? So I think it's really important that we start with relationship. Mm -hmm. It's really easy to get caught up in marketing or why you want to gain clients and all the business stuff, but really it's about relationships with one another so that we can help each other because the church can help a therapist and a therapist can help the church. So it's important that we have those connections first off and make relationships Um, So I encourage therapists really first to just reach out to a church, set up a first time meeting, talk to the pastor and just listen, because we want to know what's going on in this church and how can we help meet that need? I mean, there's so many different things as therapists that therapists can do, but let's not like do all that stuff. Let's make sure we know what the church actually needs. So it might be, for example, at my current church next, um, really in a week or two, I think. Yeah, no, it's next weekend. We're doing a marriage seminar for my practice at our church because there were a lot of couples going through divorce, a lot of couples with young children. They were having a hard time connecting. So we're going to do a marriage series there. So I would say that's the first and most important part. And then also educating pastors and staff members at churches on mental health. Right. And understanding what is the difference between pastoral counseling 
in clinical counseling, because there is a big difference there and we get trained very differently. So I think that's the other part that's really important to delineate. Mm -hmm. And I want to dive into that in just a minute about what are those differences. But first I want to ask you, um, let's say you're a therapist and you know that the maybe the pastors at your church or even a different church in your community really would benefit from having a basis of knowledge about mental health or about trauma or relationships, whatever that might be. And um, how do you approach a, a pastoral staff and say, hey, I know something that might be beneficial for you guys to know. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. I think that goes back to the first part we were just talking about. It's us listening first. Let the pastors be the one to tell you what the problem is instead of us telling them what the problem is. You know, people don't change until they want to change. Yeah. They're not going to listen until they want to listen. And when they have a problem, they're going to want to listen, right? So I think that's where it starts is finding out what are the challenges in that church? Are they having trauma? Are they having divorce? And then addressing those issues. Mm -hmm. And then for most of the listeners of the podcast, I'm guessing you're maybe not in a position of pastoring a church or uh, running a therapy practice, but what can just the average Christian do to help their church have these resources? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that lay people are doing the work. Right. We're lay people in the church are the ones that love God. They're showing up every Sunday. They're listening to people's concerns. So I think that's where it starts is that we just share love and acceptance. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say this to any pastor or any person, if it gets to a point where you're feeling super overwhelmed by someone or you can't meet their needs, that's when you want to start thinking about referring to a mental health professional. Right. Mm -hmm. I think every church should have a base of people that they trust, that they can send clients to. Mm -hmm. And I think the ways that you get those is through asking people, especially I'm in a small town in the South. So, you know, hey, who do you go see? How have you had a good experience or not had a good experience? And letting your pastors know that will help them in growing that base. And so maybe you have a therapist that you really like. Mm -hmm. I would encourage you to go to your pastor and say, hey, you know, I know this person and they've done good work with me or with my child. And so I want to encourage you that if you need a mental health professional, here's someone you can send people to. Not only is it hard for us to find a mental health professional, right, that we can really trust, but then going deeper, like finding a Christian mental health therapist that does good work clinically mm -hmm. and incorporates, I know you talk about this a lot on the show, like incorporating faith appropriately in counseling, like that's a skill. Yes. And so if you find a therapist that can do that, you need to be telling people about that person. <laughs> and, you know, I would say I've been in private practice since 2017-ish, the beginning of the year. Um, so uh, just over six years in my community, I mean, there's probably 300,000 right in the valley here. So it's bigger, but it still has a smaller town feel. Like we have LA about an hour and a half away. We have San Diego an hour away, but it still feels a little bit more rural here, even though we have a pretty big population base. And so I know that a lot of the referrals that I get at this time come from like maybe a church has a Facebook group and somebody in the oh. Facebook group has said, who do you see for Christian counseling in the area? And then my name comes up. And then, so then I see more people from that church or, you know, it, it spreads that way. And so what you're saying, like, if you have a good one, tell somebody about it. Like, that's really how people are going to get connected because they want to know 
that it's somebody that they can trust. They don't just want to find a random person on the internet and hope for the best. That's right. That's right. I mean, your good work is your best referral, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, your people. Mm -hmm. So then let's talk a little bit about the differences between pastoral counseling. And I understand that some pastors have more training in counseling and some have not had that uh, focus in their training. They're, te- they're focusing more on teaching or administrating a church or, or outreach or things like that. So it might depend on their seminary experience or their work experience. But if you're going to a pastor for counseling, what's the difference in what a pastor can offer and what a clinical therapist can offer? Mm-hmm. Yes. Great question. First of all, most of them have a master's of divinity, not all of them, but that's usually the degree that people get. And from what I understand, it's three hours of pastoral counseling, usually um, in a program. And so that's not very much. And, you know, and you know, this, we went to school for what, two, three years, Years, 3000 hours. Yeah. Yeah. And then after we graduated, we have to do an internship. We almost do as much as a doctor does, which is crazy, right? But it's so important. Mental health is a big deal. And so all of that to say is we're trained a lot more specified or, you know, really in there with people. So that's a big delineation there. And then a pastor is going to give more of a theological bent on what they're talking about. That's what they're trained in, you know? And so you might I don't know why I'm talking about divorce so much today, but yeah. I'm just going to go with this because it's big come out so, <laughs> it is a big topic. Yes. And so if someone were to go to their pastor and say, Hey, I'm thinking about getting a divorce. I want some, you know, encouragement or some, you know, advice on this. The pastor's probably going to give a little bit more of what does the Bible have to say about divorce and what's the theology of the church surrounding this and, you know, God's compassion and these kinds of things, which is great. If you were to go see a therapist about that, it's probably going to be very different. We're going to be teaching you more thought patterns, cognitive therapy. You know, um, if you bring your spouse in, it's marital therapy. You know, there's all these other clinical skills that we're going to use to help with that situation. So those are two just kind of different ways to think about it. One rule of thumb that I give to pastors all the time is that you have so much on your plate. I mean, they are doing weddings, funerals preaching, you know, running a church, which is basically a business, you know, all the meetings they have to go to. If you have to see somebody more than twice for an issue, you need to refer them out for counseling because they just don't have the capacity to do mental health therapy for everyone that comes to them and they're not trained in it. And so being able to refer out appropriately. And I think for therapists to refer to pastors, you know, I've had clients come in with theological questions that I can help them like navigate, give them resources, but I can't always answer. And I definitely don't always know theologically, you know, well, everyone has a different denomination. What does your denomination say about this? So I will refer them back to their pastor sometimes. Yeah. Cause we're not really in the business of giving our opinions about Correct. theological things. And so whatever your church background or your theological understandings may not even really function in in the views that this person has and so that's going to be even more confusing than even just sending them back to their pastors definitely maybe could you also you use the the example of divorce could you maybe use the example of depression or anxiety and and tell us what those differences might be and how a pastor or a clinical therapist would approach that Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good examples. Well, definitely depression 
a clinical issue. So a therapist is going to have those clinical skills that they've been trained in that we see evidence-based research showing that these skills work. So Mm -hmm. cognitive behavior therapy is very effective for both depression and anxiety. And just to give an idea, it's how our, our thoughts relate to emotions, relate to our behaviors. And so we go back to those thought patterns and then we change those thought patterns so that you can have better emotions. Um, and then even as a faith-based therapist, I incorporate my faith within that, right? If the client wants that and all, all those kinds of things. So, but pastors, they don't know what cognitive behavior therapy, or they know it, but they don't know how to do it, right? They're not trained in it. And so they're not going to be able to offer evidence-based research and training the way that a therapist can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've said before, one of the the thing that I wish that pastors knew the most, like if I had to give them any piece of knowledge from the therapy world, is just to be trauma-informed. And that that will actually transform the way that you do ministry. I think even Mm -hmm. when you preach on a Sunday, that that would be, it would be a major change. And so. Yes, it would. Yeah. Yeah. And I I know I've seen pastors that are not knowledgeable about things like that or personality disorders get into some sticky situations Mm -hmm. with their parishioners, not realizing they're getting played. I mean, the parishioner might not even know they're doing it right. (laughs) Right. And they get into bad situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember um, a, a pastor that I used to work under because I've been on a couple of different church staff. Um, he had a one and done uh, therapy or counseling policy. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to see you one time for this and then I'm going to be done with that yeah. because in that time I'm going to find out what you need. So what you need might be a mentor from the congregation or what you need might be, um, do you just need community? Like come to this Bible study and we'll come around you. Or you Mm -hmm. might need, you just have a question about uh, a faith issue and we can talk about it for that one hour. And then you're kind of on your path. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It might be, I see what you're going through is above my capacity to be able to serve you in this. And so Mm -hmm. we're going to refer you to a therapist for the next step. Yes. I like that. I like the way you said that. I might start using it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. If you've listened to the Soul Rep podcast for even one episode, you know my guests and I believe that when we integrate the power of God with the wisdom of modern psychology, we get supercharged healing, change, and growth in counseling. As a Christian therapist, however, I realize that there are many practitioners out there who are personally Christians but don't know how to integrate their faith into their counseling practices. That's why I created the e-course, Faith Integration for Therapists. In this premium five-module course, therapists who love Jesus will learn everything from understanding their calling to marketing their practices to Christians to adapting evidence-based interventions to honor our faith. You can learn more about the online course at www.soulgritresources.com slash courses and send an email to info at soulgritresources.com to receive a discount code. So we talked about the, some of the differences between pastoral counseling and clinical counseling. What else would you say, what do people need to know? Like how, if they're thinking, I need to find, I need to talk to my pastor, but then I'm going to need to find a Christian counselor. Like what's a, what's a first step for them? 
Mm-hmm. Well, I think that talking to their pastor is a good first step. Like that person hopefully has connections to other therapists that they can refer you to. I would also encourage people to talk to their support system, close friends, family about what they're going through. Those people also might have recommendations for a therapist. And I think it's really important to know that therapy can enhance your faith. Mm. It doesn't mean that you've done something wrong or that you've backslidden because you're going to therapy. It doesn't mean that you don't trust God. You know, it actually allows you to become a better person and you don't have to have some big problem. I go to therapy on a regular basis and it helps my spiritual life, helps me think about God and grow closer to God. And so if anyone's listening, that's what I'd want them to walk away with. Like we go to the gym on a regular basis for our bodies. We have time with God in prayer. We read our Bibles. Like I think of counseling as kind of a a spiritual practice really for my own life. Yeah. Yeah. And in what ways have you seen therapy draw you closer to God? Hmm. So many specific examples. I mean, not personal, but (laughs) no, I love being personal. Okay. Yes. Um, well definitely brings greater insight. Right. And so I start to notice things that are in the way. So we could call that whatever you want to call it. I call it sin and selfishness, you know, like my junk that's in the way of my relationships. It's in the way I run my business, um, distorted thoughts about God. Like God, not maybe not liking me. I mean, it's a little bit extreme way to say it, but like displeased with what I'm doing, or I get into black and white thinking that it has to be this way or that way and knowing that God can be in all these things. So it's a lot of helping me with my relationships with people, helping me think differently. And so I can see God in situations that maybe I wouldn't have seen him in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good. Where have you seen God show up when you're the one doing the counseling? Oh, love that. Yeah. Um, A lot of times it's that I don't know what I'm going to say. And he gives me something to say. Mm -hmm. It brings something to mind or brings this question to mind that I asked the client. And then it's like, boom, like it, it hits their heart and you're, you just light up, right? Because you're like, that wasn't me. (laughs) Like, I didn't know what I was going to say. There's been times that a Bible verse comes to mind or a movie or something. And I share that with the client I'll, and I don't like put it on them. I'll say, you know, this thing just came to mind. I'm curious what you think about this. Mm-hmm. And the most amazing response is like, that's my favorite movie. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I was just reading that Bible verse last week, you mm-hmm. know, and you're just like, wow. So I think that's a big part about how God shows up. Um, I also notice he really shows up with the types of clients that come in my office. Mm-hmm. They will, they will have no idea, <laughs> but it's like so similar to my own life. You know, and I'm sure you understand that. And like, you have that experience too. And it's a really beautiful thing. Um, There's a Bible verse. I think it's the beginning of first or second Corinthians where it says we comfort others with the comfort we have received. And I think it's so powerful as therapists that we comfort our clients in that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, the episode that aired right before this one, um, the guest mentioned that she feels like she has many versions of herself or younger versions of herself that come in her door and that she's able to minister to them in a therapy context because she's been through anxiety or she's been through panic and, and God has helped her through that. And so then she's able to offer that to them. And, and it's not just our clinical training that comes into it, but it's also our whole selves, our the spiritual side of ourselves as yeah. well. Definitely. Yeah. 
I often say like when, when I'm doing EMDR, like there's a lot of time where as a therapist, you're just, um, you're quiet and you're observing and you're watching. And, um, those are the times where I'm praying and I'm saying, Mm -hmm. Holy spirit, do something in here because Mm -hmm. we need your help through this. And there've been really, um, miraculous, um, images uh, that my clients have like seen Jesus come into their situation or, or seeing darkness flee from their situation. And mm-hmm. it's been pretty remarkable where I always come out feeling really honored that God gave me the ability to do, do this job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And that God gives us kind of the ability to hold that space for people mm-hmm. because it can get overwhelming, but you know, he holds it through us. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people will say, oh, and I don't know how you do that job because you hear everybody's problems all the time. And what do you say when people say that to you, Whitney? Mm, well, first I'd say I've been doing it for a long time, <laughs> gotten used to it, but maybe, maybe a big, big part of it is I've learned how to give that back to God. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I typically say that God gives me that ability to compartmentalize it where mm-hmm. while I'm here, I do the job. I'm doing the job and me being able to remove myself enough to keep my composure is my ability to serve that person really well. Or mm-hmm. if I get all tangled up in it and I'm a crying mess while they're crying, then I'm I'm not going to be able to serve them well. Yeah. That's right. Although I will say I had a client this morning who I teared up when she was telling me about somebody else crying. And I was actually surprised like that didn't used to happen to me as much as a younger therapist. So Mm, it's good to have it every once in a while. Yeah. (laughs) Stay in touch with it. Mm -hmm, Definitely. Yeah. So Whitney, why don't you tell us a little bit about the other projects that you're working on? I know you have a lot of big stuff coming up, so I do have some projects. Yes. My husband says I have like three jobs. Yeah. Um, yes. I'm super passionate about helping um, kind of what we're talking about, like faith-based therapists grow their business because clients need to find you. And I had a good friend out in Colorado years back and her husband was having some uh, substance abuse issue problems. And she was like, I need a Christian-based substance abuse therapist and I can't find one, which is crazy. They're all in Colorado. Right. <laughs> and I was like, gosh, like therapists have got to know how to market so that mm-hmm. these clients can find good Christian therapy. So mm-hmm. I'm passionate about that and just connecting Christian therapists to one another because it can get lonely as a therapist, but especially when you have a faith-based component, it's just different. Yeah. So I run a membership community called Wise Practice um, and we meet every week as faith-based therapists. So I love doing that. And then I host the podcast, the Wise Practice podcast. Um, and then I am hosting a summit in October for faith-based therapists. It's going to be three days here in Savannah. So I'm really looking forward to connecting with other practice owners and just learning how to grow our faith-based practices together. Um, So any of the stuff I'm doing, you can find it all at WhitneyOwens.com. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Let me me ask you just personally, the practice summit, well, the summit that you're doing is- Last practice summit. Uh Uh-huh for practice owners. Um, so like I'm a solo provider, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't run a group practice or anything like that. Is that still a place for someone like me? Definitely. 
Yes. I try to incorporate, it's more the focus on how do we integrate faith appropriately into our business. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, they're solo and group practice owners. Great. Mm -hmm. Um, And as you know, I also offer an e-course for people to Mm -hmm. learn how to integrate faith into their practices. So I see kind of the work that we're doing is kind of hand in hand. Like, you're taking people that want to be able to grow their practices as a faith-based clinician. And I'm saying, you love Jesus. Why not be a faith-based clinician? (laughs) Yes. Yes. I actually watched some of your videos and your website. You do a great job of teaching people. How do you make that integration? You know, and you're doing that here on your podcast of how do we bring those things together clinically? Um, so yes, it does kind of complement each other in that way. Cause I'm definitely a little bit more business minded, you know, yeah. how do we do the business side and you're doing the the therapy and I love it. It's beautiful. Yeah. And as I told you, when we were chatting before, there's someone here in town that has a faith-based practice that she's grown into a beautiful thing. Like we used to be in a mom's group together when we had toddlers and I'm thinking, huh, maybe, maybe in the future, maybe that's something for me right now. Oh. I'm with being a solo provider, but I always see there's a need. There's a need for more providers and it can be a scary step for people to launch out into private practice. So sometimes having the structure there from a more experienced therapist would be what people need to be able to offer that. Definitely. Definitely. And that's the whole reason I started my group practice. I mean, I, I saw such a need in my community for faith, good faith-based therapy. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll start hiring people and teaching them how to do it. So I did. And now I have 14 therapists, like crazy. Like I never would have thought this. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I can help other people do the same thing. So we can all help more clients. (laughs) So that's kind of what it's all about. It's that ripple effect. Yeah. you know, and, and letting God do that work. And I just, I just love it. Um, in fact, that practice owner that you're talking about yes. is one of my, um, on my leadership team for the wise practice summit. That's so awesome. she will be here helping me out. That's awesome. I'll have to connect more with her since we're local in town here. Definitely. <laughs> um, what would you say, I know you're in the South and I've had people tell me, or I've seen in like discussion boards on Facebook, things like that, that, in certain areas of the country, it's actually hard to find somebody who's not a Christian therapist. But have you heard that before? Like mm-hmm. say Bible belts, everybody says they're a Christian therapist, but that might mean something different to different people. I'm going to guess it probably is like that in some places. I was just thinking about where I am here. You don't see that as often. Okay. I would say a big difference Um that I have to pay attention to is the difference between like a biblical counselor mm-hmm. and a Christian counselor. Um, Cause we do see that delineation and that just different therapists incorporate faith in different ways. So like there's some that are a lot more overt about their faith with their clients, you know, they're, they're praying in all their appointments, you know, they're bringing the Bible into every session, um, which is great. If that's what a client is looking for, hopefully they can find that practice. There are other practices that are not as so overt about it. And that's actually what my practice is like. We don't overtly talk about our faith at all. Um, but if a client requests that, then we we incorporate that appropriately. Um, so I would say that may be more of the difference here is, is looking at the ways that faith is incorporated into counseling. So Whitney, um, I like to talk about soul care here. Because in our world, self-care is bubble baths and manicures, and that doesn't really do a whole lot for your soul, you know, might be restful. 
but I like to talk about how are we actually taking care of our souls. So I would like you as a busy professional woman that's really pouring out a lot to tell me how do you put back into your soul? What are you doing for soul care? All right. So I'm laughing at you because I'm <laughs> doing a terrible job right now. Okay. Here's your call. But, your call to action. I know. I'm not going to like <laughs> pretend. Um, because I just have so much going on this time of year and a lot's going on in my family. But the way that I do care for my soul is by running. Okay. And it's not just about the physical. Like that's when I pray. That's when I engage with myself. Like think about how I actually feel. Right. So even though I'm running, it's slowing down for me. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. if that just sounded. Um, I get up every morning before my family and have quiet time. And to me, that's reading, it's prayer, it's journaling. Those are things that feed my soul. Mm -hmm. Now, other things that feed my soul that I'm not doing like I want to do is connecting with other deep thinkers, yes. you know, people who are doing the work, people who are going to therapy, who are following God, you know, who have self-awareness. Like mm -hmm. I need those conversations and gosh, you probably experienced this too. I have so many friends who just need me. Mm -hmm. And I love them, but they exhaust me. And I just got to find the people that'll feed my soul too, where we feed each other's souls really. Yeah. So, so that's, that's a big part of my soul care um, and connections with my spouse. Mm -hmm. I, that's another big part of my soul care. And so if we're busy and the kids are crazy and our jobs are crazy, like I'm feeling drained. And so connecting is really a big part of it. Mm -hmm. So let me back up a little bit. How do you find connection with those deep thinkers or how do yeah, you, make, can you tell me, how do you make space for those first? How do you identify them? Second, how do you make space to have those conversations so that you get filled up from them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it takes time and energy to find them and, you know, you're going to have to invest in relationships to find where people are at. And it doesn't mean that you knock people off. I'm not going to be your friend, <laughs> but you really have to think about how much can I share with this person? And can they go to that place with me with these things that I'm thinking about? Um, I do find it with therapists. Some of my closest friends are therapists, right? Because they've gone to that place and they can have those conversations with me. Um, but yeah, you got to set those boundaries with the ones that aren't able to do that, or you're going to be totally drained because you're giving to your friends, you're giving to your church, you're giving to your clients. Yeah. 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 I feel like in this, and I don't know how old you are, but, um, I just turned 41. This is a stage of, it's difficult to have friendships because your family's pulling you in one direction your job is pulling you in another direction. And then to just have enough time to invest in friendships so that you can go to that deeper level is really scarce. <laughs> mm -hmm. it's, it, I am actually the same age as you and yeah. it is the same way for me. <laughs> okay. Well, there we go. Maybe we'll have a deep conversation <laughs> offline. <laughs> That's right. Um, and also how, how are you connecting with your spouse? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, I'd like, we usually try to get together once a month and go on a date. <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of times we connect over playing, playing games. Yeah. So we play crosswords. We love doing the crossword. Um, and then we have some other games that we play or we're playing games with the kids, right? So we're connecting when we do that. Um, but honestly, sometimes it's just over a TV show because we're both just, we're done, you know, and that's okay to be done. 
Mm -hmm. Um, or we're connecting by having lunch together in the middle of the week so that we could talk to each other or going on a walk. And sometimes that involves kids and that's okay. You know, Mm -hmm. however you can connect, even if it's just texting, (laughs) like that's better than nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are trying. We we're fasting from TV during Lent. All oh, right. <laughs> and normally, we have a time where we just know we're just gonna land on the couch at this certain time, and we're gonna watch a specific show. We know, we already know what we're watching, and that's just how we kind of spend time together and wind down our evening. But in this discipline of fasting to seek God for closeness to Him and repentance during this time of Lent, it's been challenging like uh, we don't have energy for anything else but what are we going to do just go to sleep i guess <laughs> do nothing little, wrong with that do a little devotional together in the evenings and yeah that's great yeah okay whitney i really appreciate you taking the time because i know you are um a mover and a shaker you've got a lot <laughs> of stuff going on and um it really honors me that you would take the time to be here and share your knowledge so for anyone listening i'm gonna have all of whitney's links up um you do a good job too of social media i see your videos pop up so i'm like scared to make reels and you're doing it so <laughs> if you want to find whitney online you can do that and if you are a therapist listening to this and you're somebody that's working to integrate faith i would encourage you to check out um the wise practice podcast community and the summit coming up thank you and i appreciate it and I also do have a freebie on my website. So if you go to WhitneyOwens.com, um, you know, we were talking today about connecting with churches. So it's four tips on connecting with churches if you want to grab that PDF. Awesome. So yeah. make sure you go there, click on the link that's going to be in the show notes and you'll get that little freebie and you can um, start taking off in your practice or just in your own mental health journey. So thanks for being here. Thank you. The Soul Grit Podcast is a production of Soul Grit Resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at Soul Grit Resources. You can email me at info at soulgritresources.com.